1: Thanks for listening to the latest Football
2: Digest podcast available on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a
3: single episode. Welcome to the Football Digest weekly podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Sorry, it feels, I say it's a weekly podcast, but we didn't half miss you last week. Um, it was our international break as well. Times just wouldn't work. The, the, the fun and games getting to and from Andorra were really quite something in our, our little road trip. Um... Uh, so, excuse the absence of last week, but I promise you we'll make up for it this, uh, because we will be talking about England. We'll be talking about Newcastle. Wow. What, what a lot of events has happened at St James's Park in, um, and up in the northeast since we were last with you, um, and also looking back, looking sorry, I should say looking forward to the um, return of the Premier League, which um, which everyone I'm sure will be anxious to enjoy this weekend. Um, and I'm joined by chief sports writer of the Daily Mirror, Andy Dunn; chief sports writer of the Daily Star, Jeremy Cross; football aficionado Matt Dunn is also here. Um, guys, we're all on. England duty in the past week or so, um, so it feels fitting to uh, talk about the international break and uh, maybe what we've what we've learned from those uh, two games. Not a lot, I suspect, from Andorra, um, but a little bit maybe from um, from Hungary. And even though England is still on course to qualify quite quite comfortably, you'd expect. Did it raise a few question marks, Andy? Let's let's start with you. What did, what do you think? Did it did it sort of pose Gareth Southgate a few dilemmas moving forward?
2: Yeah, well, yeah, yes, it, it certainly posed a few questions to him. I mean, it probably actually um questions the answers to which he probably already knew, which is that his settled team, which involves Rice and Phillips there in the center of midfield is the one that is, is, is his go-to team. You know, he was forced to to change that with Phillips' injury. Mm. And, you know, public opinion probably would have backed the team that he picked with playing only one hold in midfield, and it just didn't work. The balance balance wasn't right. You know, we can't have a go in for that because I think we all would have said, when we all saw the lineup, we all thought probably that was the team we all would have picked, you know. And and, and maybe we urged him to pick. How many times has, has Gareth Southgate read the... Um, Let's let the handbrake off um, line, you know, a million times over the last year or so, and certainly during the Euros, when they got to the finals. So I think, it, 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 in a way, it's probably him, you know, he can actually turn around and say, well, listen, guys, I told you so. You know, this is our best balanced team. Um, I never, ever thought there'd come a day um, when when they'd be so reliant and so missing Calvin Phillips, with all respect to the Yorkshire Perlow. I never thought he'd become the, the fulcrum of this England team. But, but, you know, he's clearly a very important cog in it. So yeah, so basically, so he, you know, Southgate can turn around to us and say, listen, you know, this is the sort of team there was a clamor for from the media and from the public. And here it is, it's failed. A couple of things I would say, a couple of caveats. One, Hungary were a little bit better than we thought they would be, Mm. judging by the evidence of when they were beaten at home by us heavily. And don't forget, we're also beaten at home um, at the weekend by Albania. So, you know, they were a little bit better than, than maybe we expected. And as Southgate again said after the game, the other caveat is you just, you know, sometimes there's no accounting for or, or sort of, you know, legislating for players just having really poor games. You know, I, I mean, you, you probably haven't seen Luke Shaw have that a game for a long time. You certainly haven't seen combined together, you know, when you want a bit of spark up front, if you're not gelling... And you just want a bit of individual spark. Is it going to come from Kane? Is it going to come from Sterling? And there was no way it was coming from either of them. You know, I mean, we've seen them individually be flat. Collectively together, they were so flat it was untrue. So there is an element of well, you know, it was just a poor night at the office. But I think over the overall thing is, is the Southgate is most comfortable coaching a team and a setup with that. Format of of you know two holding midfielders, albeit one who who bombs on a bit in Phillips. So I think I think basically he was almost in how bad they were. He was almost proved right. Okay, hands on the table here. I
3: thought Henderson would play with Rice because that is the Southgate way. So when you know when discovered the night before that he was playing Foden, I was I, I was really really surprised to, to to learn that because no matter how well he played. In Andorra, I sort of I thought that whoa, oh, that's most un- unlike Southgate there, and you know I don't know. One, well, uh, I think it's harsh to say anything negative about Foden because I thought he was England's one of England's best players, even though he was forced wide. But what, what, Matt? What did you think about Foden? And, and you know what is what is Foden's future role? Because for me, Foden is you know, is the unbelievable star in midfield and possibly the driving force for England and Qatar twenty twenty two. So what what is his future? What is his role?
0: I think not far from where he started, um, against Hungary. I think that deeper owner, certainly where he played against Andorra, that mm. deeper role, he gets on the ball more. Um, I think his vision and his passing, um, which Southgate praised quite, uh, yeah, and rightly so after the Andorra game, is something we haven't got anywhere else in the team with the possible exception of Grealish. Um, and, and I just love the way he plays his pass, he wins the ball, he nicks the ball back off players when they're not expecting it. He does the unexpected and then he puffs out his chest and he he looks the closest we've had to a Gaza since Paul Gascoigne. Uh, and that's got to be exciting for the country mm-hmm. because we need that sort of player. That's what Southgate recognises we're short of, that invention. And... Um, my disappointment. I'm, I was with you. I, I mean, Henderson was the classic Southgate lineup. Foden was the change that he kind of Southgate gave to the nation, uh, uh, as Andy said. You know, as was the national choice. And uh, let's say it didn't work. But that's because people didn't play well. What I don't want him, Southgate to do is necessarily bin that idea um, against weaker nas- nations because I think it could work. Some of the passing in the early stages, that move really early on involving Jack Grealish, Luke Shaw, which you normally expect Harry Kane to arrive at the far post and tap in and off we go. Uh, Yeah, Kane didn't get to. Moves like that, there was some of the balls over the top from Foden to Grealish that he'd take it on the run and then beat a player in the same move. It looked like the sort of England we've been longing for. None of it came to anything because, as, um, as Andy said, K- uh, Kane and Sterling played probably both of them, the, one of some of the worst games for England that, that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you've got people up front, and should it be Sterling? Should it be perhaps Saka from the start? Should it be Kane even on the way he's playing at the moment? You know, because, you know, uh, Tammy Abraham looks lively. You know, you've got to start asking these sorts of questions. But if you have a complete sort of five-man attack with, with um, Rice underpinning it, it could work against these weaker nations, look better, and perhaps give us an inventive side to use against even better nations. You know, if we fall a goal behind, we've got somewhere to go that's better than just relying on the odd set piece and, and, and perhaps a penalty, uh, which is effectively where we were in the Euros. So let's mm-hmm. not bin that idea just because it didn't work once. Let, let's perhaps look at it again. But um, I agree. I mean... Southgate's obviously more comfortable with those two holding midfielders, but we all need to come out of our comfort zone, I think, if we're going to crack that last stage and actually go on and win a tournament.
3: Yeah. Ju G- what did you what did you make of it? I mean, you know, Kane and Sterling throw, throw up question marks for different reasons and yet similar because they're just not playing particularly well or even playing, you know, in Sterling's case, you know, especially, um, for their clubs week in, week out. Is that is that part of the problem?
1: It's funny, really, isn't it? because we've talked about Sterling a lot and, you know, he, we've always said he, he's never let England down, which is why he always gets picked in the bigger games because Southgate has so much trust in him and he's, he's right to have such trust in him. You know, he's been brilliant for England the last two years. He's great at the Euros, um, scored some vital goals, to help us get through to the final. Um, he just had an off night, you know. Look, he, he's probably lacking a bit of match sharpness because he's, he's not playing for City as much as he wanted to. And there's clearly an issue there between him and Guardiola, whatever either camp says. Something's gone on between those two because it's just not right. The amount of starts he's getting, it, it just doesn't seem natural. So um, eventually players who don't play regularly for the clubs will suffer. Um, It's just a fact of football. You know, they're not playing well. Um, They're not playing regularly. They're not sharp. As sharp as they should be. And Kane, Kane is an issue as well now. I mean... I know he's scored some goals for England um, in the last few weeks, but he looked so off the pace on um, on Tuesday night. And, you know, like Sterling, there's an issue with his club. Um, he didn't get the move he wanted. He's probably sulking a little bit. Um, he's scored nine goals, actually, this season, but five of them have come against two sort of European minnows in the um, in the competition. I can't remember what it's called. What yeah, it, Europa Conference that's League. The one? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. My mind. Um so it was just felt like one of those nights where nothing clicked for anyone really. There wasn't I mean John Stones played pretty well, I thought. I thought Grealish looked relatively lively. Like you said earlier, Foden was was okay. It's just a bad night. And um, you know, the standards are so high these days in the South that you come to expect them to just win these games 3 4 0. Mm. It's not always going to happen like that. And fair played to Southgate for trying a different formation and approach. He gave the fans what they'd been craving, you know, he's been sort of labels this conservative manager and, you know, he stuck out the old Harlem Globetrotters there on Tuesday night. It just didn't gel. No. But like Matt said, you know, why do not try that same approach again in the next game and see, see, see if it works?
3: No, sure. Andy, you featured a lot about the fans in your in your yeah. colour piece from the game. Yeah. Um, Tell, tell us about. I mean, tell us about what you what what you saw and what 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 we can, what we can reflect upon. Because obviously, I think the warning signs were there in Budapest. You know, that pretty pretty ugly in what happened there. And then basically, you know, the scenes of fighting between the fans and the and the police were were, were really quite shocking, weren't they?
2: Yeah, they, they were. I mean, they were shocking. Um, first of all, they're shocking in the first instance because, you know you we, we don't see that that often you know we actually don't see that um you know those of us of vintage used to see it an awful lot say in the late 90s following england and um and early 2000s maybe euro 2000 for example you know the scenes of of, of fans fighting with police physically fighting police hitting back you know with truncheons or whatever was was a was was a common scene. It's not so common now, thankfully. So that that's why it was unusual. You know, I mean, it's important that, you know, the only facts that we do know is that the Metropolitan Police issued a statement saying they went in to arrest someone on suspicion of a racially aggravated offence. You know, so so you start from there. And that's no surprise because clearly um, Hungarian fans um, at home, I mean, their game against Albania was behind closed doors because of um, of racial abuse aimed at England players in a previous game. And of course, they still have a UEFA ban hanging over them from um from the Euros. So so they've got form that is added into the mix. Now is this idea that there might have been some Polish fans in there. What we do know is there is some extreme left politely polite, unsavory characters there fighting with, with police. And I just think the broader picture. There's a couple of things really there's loads of things involved here. I mean, I mean, one Wembley has 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 something to answer for. You know, it's only four months ago that. People were, were being able to bunk into a European Championship final for goodness sake. You know, England, as you well know, and as you as as, as you three guys wrote yesterday, um, we'll find out Monday um, the results of the four charges against them, which you know are I can't even remember what they are now: disturbance during the national anthem, um, pitch invader, people. Trespassing, get into the stadium, um, stuff like that, and they will find out that they might well get a a, 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 a ban of behind closed doors game for that. And I think the broad, so Wembley has an issue, you know, and there was a flare mm-hmm. went off, so so someone, as I say, it, I mean, considering that about ten thousand people managed to bunk in, no wonder they can get a flare in. <laughs> so so there are issues that Wembley has to confront. Obviously, and we, we we've all seen the footage of the police being basically beaten back by. Um, by the 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 fans in that section of the stadium. You know, and it does beg the question whether the police presence is sufficient, whether or not, you know, call, financial corners are being cooked because they won't pay for them, the inadequacy of the steward stewarding. There's a whole range of issues, specific issues to be dealt with by the FA, by Wembley, by all the football authorities. The overarching thing, I think, is what FIFA needs to address, um, and what UEFA needs to address is is this creeping back into the game full stop are we seeing the return of hooliganism of violence of a lot of it right wing orientated violence are we seeing this i mean these might be isolated incidents so at the same time of course as we know out in (laughs) albania the game was being stopped for half an hour because the polish players were being pelted by missiles after they scored, that's the same night. We know what happened in Hungary. Going back, we know what happened in, we were all there in Sofia when, at the Bulgarian England game, we were all there in Montenegro. Around clubs this year, there's been trouble. There's been trouble in a Marseille-Galatasaray game, there's been trouble, you, you know, we've seen instances where clubs have had to walk off. We've seen it at junior level. That's the overarching thing. Is it a creep back in of the bad old days? And I think that's the broader point, um, in addition to the very specific things of how this happened, how they get tickets, are they vetting them et cetera et cetera
3: mm. oh, are we seeing a return to the to the dark day's Matt? i mean Andy raises two great points there how on earth did the fan get in with the flare? how on earth did it, it, were the police so badly outnumbered by because there were, you know, it, you see those um, clips, they were they were smashed to bits, I think. And basically it was just like, yeah, again, you know, if the FA were up on a charge on Monday, they've got the hearing about not not policing or stewarding the game of the final properly, what terrible timing ahead of that, that basically that, that they had to beat a hasty retreat.
0: Did they beat... Right, this is something that I don't quite understand why there's been so much flack towards the police. Because to my mind, they went in to arrest a guy... They got hold of him out of from amongst his mates who were up for a fight, got him back out the back where they could then process him and arrest him, and then came out again because their presence was causing the fighting. There was no fighting after they disappeared. There was no trouble to sort out. The only trouble occurred because they wanted to get that fella out and he didn't want to come. So... Was it not a a more, I mean, it didn't look tidy, but was it not a more measured retreat? The police were on their way. People were taking a few haymakers as they left. But I don't think the police had, had any intention of staying there. They weren't beaten back. They got their man, then they got out to leave what was then a, a more peaceful. So, well, there was no fighting after they left, was there? They weren't beaten back. I don't know what pictures was- you saw. Oh, I saw the pictures of them going backwards while people f- flung punches at them. I
3: that's saw, crazy. I saw one of the balaclava-clad cl- 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 lads. Abso-
0: absolutely, throwing, th-
3: throwing more of a knockout punch than Tyson yeah, yeah. Fury did Saturday night.
0: Fair enough, well, and two certainly-
1: good left hands there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> a long time. I wouldn't fancy being no, on I'm that. Not and saying-
3: I just, I just thought the police would, d- 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 no, looked no, to no, me in pretty pathetic numbers, frankly. Yeah, and well, they well, were they were outnumbered by, seen by seen a load of Hungarian fans who absolutely throwing haymakers. They
0: are going to be outnumbered. That's the issue. To come on to but what i would say in that situation the the, what was causing the fighting was the presence of the police there was no fighting beforehand there was a racial aggravated assault the police went in got their man and that sparked fighting against the police the police withdrew the fighting stopped i don't know quite the other option is them to pile in enough and clear the whole area because that's when that was the other point the fighting would have stopped is when they cleared the whole area and that's what do we want to see that? Do we want to see police in riot gear um, wearing helmets ready before a ball's been kicked in case it kicks off? Because that is the bad old days. That's the bad old old, old days in certain UEFA games where um, there's a, quite a lot of – and we talk about racism, but I think there's been institutional racism in, in policing of matches for a long, long time um, across Europe where it seems like UEFA matches – Yeah, it's no holds barred if if when the police weigh in and I've seen, uh, you know, European, Italian police weighed into English fans um, in a way that, that looks borderline criminal, to be honest. I'm sure we've all seen scenes like that. Do we want that or do we want this this kind of more intelligent policing where they recognize the fact that it is a problem trying to get a guy out of a. A stadium it isn't going to look pretty but they've made their arrest somebody and fair play to them that's that sort of incident's been overlooked before in the past and said oh well we can't do anything because he's in the middle of the crowd no they've decided they are going to arrest this guy for a, a racially motivated um attack um and, and and they've gone in got their man got out it didn't look pretty it didn't look great but actually end of the day they, they've taken a few punches they've you know, justice hopefully will be served, uh, and the game carried on. I, I, I don't see this as a, an embarrassing retreat. I agree; they were going out anyway. It was just a few, few blows anyway. Otherwise, what what was the point of them staying in there, apart from to get hammered? Well, it I, game I, I, of, it's game of opinions, Matt. And a, I also think
2: it. I also think a broader issue. It, 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 it's slightly slightly irrelevant. It's slightly missing the point, isn't it? I, I mean, I mean, whether or not. The police tactics for this or that, you know, um, is surely missing the point. The fact of the matter is, is is that we all saw the pictures of that section of fans um, booing England players for taking the knee, which has become more and more common. Mm-hmm. We know that someone, well, according to the police, has aimed at racially aggravated um, insulted someone, they're the things that matter not whether the police should have taken a punch or two or given a punch or two, they're the things that we're talking about, we're talking about the rise yeah. of right wing whatever game we're not talking about the police operation you know, this isn't, you know, we're not I mean, who I, you knows, he landed one he landed one, who really cares about that, what we're talking about is the rise of racism, of homophobia as exemplified by what's happened with these Hungarian fans, both at Wembley and, and back in Budapest so they've, gone
3: the, they've, they've gone in the. Leave, leave the rest. They have gone in the way in there to say, basically, this is their, this is our right to boo the taking of the need, to put up a banner of the taking it's of the need if they want to, you know. And, and uh, that is that is a big issue that, that I think is going to be impossible to solve because they are saying, well, that's our democratic right. Well, I mean, not, if what, you if you look it? about, if you look at some of the feedback yesterday, that, that was their point. John you know, they're basically the Polish fans joined the Hungarian fans. You know, to to make that point, we're, we're not being going to be lectured by the English FA and the English players no. about about what stand we take. We, we all, yeah, we all disagree with that, of course we do. But that's their that's their stand. That's what you know, so, yeah, and that's the, that that is that that's the, what they say is their democratic right, which has then spilled over into violence when it's gone down badly, and you've got England fans, you know, chanting back at them. You know, you know what you are, and basically, it's it, it was a it was a really unsavoury, you know, exchange. But yeah. that's how they feel. They feel, you know, don't they? They feel patronised. I mean, yeah. for, you know, for, for the Polish FA to come out and say, you know, dis, you know, when when the case against the, the uh, Glick from the game in Warsaw was dismissed by FIFA yesterday, one of their, you know, Polish FA executives calls it, um, you know, called called the allegations absurd. You know, they're, they're, they're fuming about it. And, you know, if they, they deny it and they, they say their man's innocent, well, of course they're, they're going to feel like that. And it's, you know, it's going to be a difficult one. Let me finish on the international section, Jeremy, with you. And the hearing's Monday, yeah. right? It is, it is going to, you know, this is going to be a difficult time for, for England. Should they, after what happened in the, in the Euros final, get a stadium ban? <laughs>
1: For sure. I mean, look, I was just going to say before we went on to this England issue, about Andy mentioned the rise of this sort of behaviour of hooliganism and it's never really left us. There's always that element there. And football just showcases it because it's a societal problem. It's not just football's problem. It's these people exist in society around the world who have warped views on life, um, homophobia and racism and things like that. Unfortunately, it's showcased at football games. And really, UEFA and FIFA, they are, they are organisations that never seem to learn in terms of punishment. So what happened at Tuesday night was just Hungarian fans sticking two fingers up to FIFA and UEFA, saying we don't care if you, if, you, if you ban us from our own stadiums, you know, blah, blah, blah. So it's clearly not working. These sanctions don't work, do they? And I'm sure England will get a stadium ban, and I think they deserve one. Because we were all there on that final night, and it was it was really upsetting to see. It ruined the whole occasion. It's one of the grimmest nights I've had as a sports journalist uh, in terms of what I experienced and saw. And yeah, they can have, of the FA can have no complaints. But looking further forward, if you want to rid the game of of this behaviour, what's the solution? I mean, the teams have to be thrown out of competitions. Maybe will that will that make People sit up and realise that this can't be allowed to continue. I can't think of any other solution other than stadium bans are not working. That's just a fact. So, you know, fining FAs, that, that doesn't have any impact. It's a futile exercise. So you need to look at what the next step is if you're FIFA, if you're Infantino and suffering and say, what what's the next step in terms of the punishment? Mm, I'm yeah. not saying England should be. I wouldn't want to see England thrown out of a competition, obviously, but you know, and thankfully, we aren't real serial offenders anymore. But you know, Bulgarian fans have been at it for weeks and weeks on end now. The, the, the you know every game they're involved in, there seems to be an issue with their own supporters, and there's probably going to be trouble with the Albanians as well, don't they? When they come to Wembley, it's an un- you can mm. you can guarantee there'll be some issue during the game. Yeah
3: part of their reaction is is about you know the way that they perceive that we behave you know and that's you know <laughs> that's an well, issue for yeah. us moving that's forward isn't it, topic, you know? isn't it? But, yeah. yeah yeah i mean the fines is a great is is a, is a great point simply because you know fifa were, were lauding the fact that they, they issued a record fine last time out it's not worked is it
1: it's two hundred thousand
3: dollars, isn't it? And then and then I have to say people think that you know, people immediately sort of the anti racism campaigners immediately ambassador that on social media and I just think, well, okay, what 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 do you want to you know, what fine do you want to do? You know, and I just think, you know, they they are trying to raise the bar. Um, I don't think you can you can criticize things without coming out with alternative solutions sometimes. So I think yeah, that, you know, I and mean, I mean, it, it's what not what simple, is it? it it's not it's not simple, no. Let's move on to Newcastle and um uh and, and it is a dawn of a new era. Um and yeah, and he and he pitched this for us, basically because by, what a week it's been you can, mm. it feels like it feels like you know from a media perspective, it feels like you've got one one third of the media going you know really kind of banging the drums, saying this is the most glorious day in Newcastle's history. It's hard to work out whether they're kind of yeah you know, whether journalists or just newcastle fans but but um but and then a third of the media basically saying this is morally wrong. It's an outrage. You know, where, you know, basically where, where's, where's the money coming from? What, what mm-hmm. about the owners, you know, human rights? And, and then a third of the media, you know, probably like myself, basically watching on with great interest um, at it and seeing, you know, what on earth is going to unfold basically. What, what, yeah. what, what's your, what's your take on it? What, what are the, what are the issues and difficulties facing us? What are the good points? What are the bad points? <sighs>
2: I mean, let, listen, let, let's get, get on to the the, the, the nitty gritty. First of all, um, underpinning it all, any idea as the Premier League, you know, the Premier League have said, well, the sticking point was, you know, they didn't want the, basically, they didn't want the Saudi states running Newcastle United. So does this clause in that they've received legally binding assurances that there'll be no involvement of the state? Which clearly, if there's anyone out there who believes that, I mean, you know, goodness knows what they're on or when they were born, because there's not a soul who believes that, is there? I mean, for goodness sake, the consortium is, is basically pretty much, you know, the majority is the, is the public investment fund. The public investment fund's chairman is, is, is Mahmoud um, bin Salman. The board I was reading private Time magazine just this morning actually and it went through the board and the board includes the ministers of Saudi for tourism finance education etc etc i mean it's you know it's basically an entire Saudi rulers who so, so so any idea any pretence that actually this isn't a a, a, a Saudi state to go, but it's pretty you know I mean I mean it, it, and uh, hey, listen and we've all probably spoken off the record to people in the Premier League and they probably realise this as well. I mean, really, you know, no one is, is going to believe that. So with that being the case, people's objections to it are understandable because, you know, people, um, um, people know what the Saudi regime is accused of well, um, and it's quite clear. So if people object to that, then you know, I understand that. it doesn't leave a particularly nice taste in, in in my mouth, I'm sure in a lot, a lot of a lot of people. The argument against that, of course, is that well, hey, listen, you know, day-to-day, day-to-day life in, in, in the UK is littered with involvement, you know, the, the the Saudis involved in all sorts of businesses. And of course, our governments do do business with them. Um, and they're very valuable trade partners. So again, there's a lot of what what about it? Um, I don't, I, you know, I I, I I, I would rather, I think it just goes to show that, you know, how bad it got under Ashley that, that you know, they're actually throwing out garlands for these people taking over. It must have been what we don't realise. And we're always accused of this, guys, aren't we? We are always accused of we don't know what it's like because we are outside of the Republic of side aren't we? We don't know. So we don't. So and And clearly, I really didn't know how bad it was, because if you can welcome these people with the sort of unadulterated delirium the Newcastle fans have welcomed them with, it must have been really, really, really 10 times as bad as I perceive it from the outside of Ashley's regime. And I thought it was bad, but it must have been 10 times what I thought Ashley's regime was like for them to actually think, well, you know what, anyone but Ashley, you know, the devil we don't know rather than the devil we do know. And I, I, I genuinely think that is the case. We cannot have known... It was that miserable, that long suffering, on Townside, Because we're not there. Because I'll mm-hmm. tell you what: if if you are welcoming these sorts of characters into your club, literally, you know, with 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 garlands, with with with, with like, you know, you know, I mean, people going around, you know, sort of dressed up as them, then it must have been very bad. I mean, and that's just the
3: Sky Sports News reporters. I mean, well,
0: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ.
1: When I say I mean, one third of the media,
3: I actually probably mean, the t- you know, the TV. They've got
1: to
2: have a look at themselves, have they? Really? I mean, crikey. I mean, These guys who are based up here, John. See, these guys who are based there. Again, these are guys who... who, 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 who these, these are people... They'll tear around to them and say, "You know, we actually don't know. We don't get it." They'll say, And, and yeah. you know, I, I, I have to confess. Have you, had,
3: have you, have you, have you, sort of, kind of, had to get a visa or, you know, to get into <laughs> into into, into or <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on! I mean, really. <laughs> I, I take. I, I do. I do take your point, uh, Matt. Which 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 part? Which of the three are you? Are you fitting into which of the three things? Are you watching with interest? are you are you welcoming the, 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 the Amanda Staveley in like a sort of an absolute homecoming hero or, or yeah are or oh, you certainly donning Newcastle fan in Newcastle say, scarf
0: say two out of three um of those um, I'm certainly not welcoming the group in because I don't think they're the right sort of people that we want in football um uh, seriously seriously I'll well, understand yeah no it, it, yeah. in all seriousness I think the question marks over where these funding comes from and yeah, tell me about that. Tell me about that. Come on, spell that out. Why, why is that important? Come on. I, th- I think it's it's important because it just puts the whole of our f- national football game up to grabs for anyone who's made some money, however they've made it. I mean, people forget that there was an unsavoury feeling about when when Abramovich arrived, don't forget, because he had a lot of money in a country that didn't have much, and there's always been a sort of... Uh, a moodiness about some of these rich owners that, that seem to want to use sport to, to, to bolster their image, uh, and we're, we're rolling over and allowing allowing them to do that, which which I don't particularly like. Um, I don't like the Premier League being on that, and it, it is it is a members' club. It's all that's always used as an upstanding. Uh, value of the league is that that you know it's the clubs who support this there's 19 clubs who are kind of allowing this to happen and, and yes there's in itself interest that you don't want another player but there's got to be some mechanism whereby you, you know you can say no i'm sorry the game's more important than this so i i just don't think there's there seems too much like well what can we do about it well i think people can try a lot harder to find you know a, a mechanism to just to draw up what's appropriate and what's not um that's on one side but in the middle ground of that then i think we're all all of us i think i've got to be remembered the, the one of the thirds which is that we're all sitting back intrigued to see what's going to happen mm. because to my mind you know i don't i don't think many people outside of newcastle will be sorry if this whole project falls flat on its face for instance there seems to be a certain amount of, um, yeah, karma about that. If that were to happen, and I wouldn't wish that on a great football club, which is part of the reason why you don't want these kind, of, this kind of owner in, in the first place. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a venture that's doomed. And we're here on a sports podcast, a football podcast, so talking about the football, I think it's a venture that's doomed to failure anyway, just because the whole setup and the whole ethos of what's going on is completely misaligned. Uh, and and I, and I don't see Newcastle achieving what they think they're going to achieve. Um, and I don't see them competing with the very top clubs, uh, however much money they, they have and, and whatever players they sign, which ultimately is probably the, the the best way of football, the sport, dealing with people that, that it doesn't perhaps want involved. Mm,
3: yeah. Jeremy, where do you, where do you stand and and, uh, just to take it on Newcastle still in relegation trouble this season I mean are we you know are we are we kidding ourselves here they're in the relegation zone at the moment they can't buy players until January who are they going to buy that you know that basically we keep on being told they're going to sack Steve Bruce they haven't done so yet but you know the game here we are on Thursday morning and the game's on Sunday so what's going to happen
0: it feels it feels
3: completely weird this situation. So are they in, in? Are they still in danger?
1: Yeah, of course they are. Look, they 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 have a very mediocre squad. Um, mm-hmm. You know the bullet the bullet that that's travelling from Riyadh to to Tyneside is taking a long time to arrive because everyone expected Bruce to be sacked on Monday or Tuesday. It's now Thursday. He's mm-hmm. still got a job. He'll be probably doing a press conference tomorrow, which will be an absolutely fascinating one. <laughs> You can't wait to hear what's gonna happen there at that press conference. Will he be in charge on Sunday? We're all most of us are going up there. It's just the start of what is gonna be an absolute circus, isn't it? You know, it's rightly or wrongly, and I'm sort of I totally agree with what the lads have said. Look, do we want Saudi ownership? No, of course we don't. We all know their litany of human rights um uh offences down the down the decades. It's just not right, is it, that these people can infiltrate, you know, the richest league in the world because they've got they've got the most money so it, it but it will be absolutely fascinating to see what what unfolds over there up there in the next two three four years because they you know to all intents and purposes they what they they are the new man city I And mean, i'm presuming man city are absolutely delighted by this prospect because you know now there's there's it takes them, takes them, Bit of the light-off cities, isn't it, in their regime? And we've now got a club that's owned by people who are three times richer and probably three times worse in terms of how they run their own countries and states. So mm. um, City will be quietly pleased that someone's sort of deflecting from them now. But I've, listen, yeah, to, going back to your question, just imagine just imagine the scenario if they did get relegated this season. <laughs> who are they going to be able to sign in January? No clubs sell their biggest players in January, There's a No it just doesn't happen does it you know so i don't know who they'll, they'll obviously they'll obviously spend some money in january inside some players but you know those players will take weeks and weeks to bed in and you know they could be bottom of the league by then and cast a drift who knows but if i was there, if i was the new owners i'd be thinking well why don't we just keep bruce until the end of the season say keep us up steve we'll give you 10 million quid bonus then you're off and uh it gives them some time to try and work out who they really do want to become the next manager, because that's another issue, isn't it? Who they're going to get as manager? Who's going to, Who in the right mind is going to want to associate themselves with that regime? Yeah. Would also. Frank Lampard want to want to want to do it? Would Steven Gerrard want to do it? Brendan Rodgers apparently has already turned him down. I mean, it's a big move for someone to accept that job. I think. Do you? Yeah, because... It, you, is
3: an, it is an interesting point. Also, the controversy
1: yeah, and the background to it all, and, you know, it's a basket case of the place up there, isn't it? It's just... It's just, uh, You just probably feel like you're on a hiding to nothing because mm-hmm. even if you take the job and you get hundreds of millions to spend, you, you've then got to win the title, haven't you, basically? Just do what City have done. Mm-hmm. Emulate what City have done by success, mm-hmm. which is essentially what City have done. yeah. Yeah, it's, mean, inter- it's it interesting
3: partial. reading some of the analysis. I mean, you know, our own Simon Bird has been, you know, sort of all over it and been mm-hmm. been excellent on it. You know, a few, few of the guys sort of obviously had a chat with Amanda Staveley last week, and it, mm-hmm. you do get a sense that <laughs> despite despite all the hype and and, and the sort of the hullabaloo around it, that they're, they're almost coming at it a, sort of a slowly, slowly approach really. And I don't know whether that is in any way. Practical amidst the hype—that's yeah. the point, isn't it? Because well, the fans it, are it, it, expecting more. I mean, Andy, if they do go, they do go out and get, a, you know, an Eddie Howe or a Frank Lampard, and then do some kind of, you know, sign a Ross Barkley in January—is—is that—is that kind of enough? Because that's what they're going to—that's what they're going to be looking at, surely, isn't it? You can't—you can't, you can't yeah. go and get Antonio Conte. You just can't.
2: Well, I mean, don't forget—is—is is every player every player they're linked with? It, 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 as as one thing in common, they're not wanted at their current clubs. So whether yeah. that be Ross Barkley, Philippe Coutinho, I don't know, Alex Oxlade Chamberlain, yeah, you know, a other whoever it is, you know, is it, it, not wanted at their particular club So that's clearly no no good way to start by taking players Reacher. who just happen to be available and available for a reason. You know, you know, top quality stellar important players aren't available um, at the end of October or the middle of October. Of a football season, ditto. Um, the same goes f- for the managers. But I do think you know. I, I mean, let, let's face it. We, we have the analogies with City, and we've now got the situation. Jeremy's absolutely right about the Steve Bruce situation. I mean, I mean, goodness sake! It, it's it's like you know they've come in, and and now this Bruce situation just promises to be an embarrassment from day one. Mm. I mean, like you, you know, what what exactly are they doing? They haven't said anything about whether he's staying. They haven't said anything about about whether he's going. And people in charge, you know, who have we got in charge to run this football club now? You know, I, I mean, I mean, what do we know about the chairman? Do we know that he has any experience of running football clubs? With the best will in the world, Amanda Stavey is a is, is is a finance operator. We know that for sure. Danny Rubin, you know, is a good builder. Um, and that and you know that's what we're talking. These characters. We new training ground. Manchester City, whose foundations were laid by a head of. You know, long before Guardiola came in, for example, whose foundations we all know how they were laid by Ferran Sariano and and Sixi Bagheristan. You know, they 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 know what they're doing. Who they mm. basically knew how to run a football club because they'd run one before and they'd run a really big football club before. Now, you know, these people at Newcastle, who's going, who's who's running it? I mean, who is? I mean, seriously, who is now thinking about what manager to get? I mean, now we know there'll be we know we know we all know the characters who'll be in their ear offering them advice and agents who'll be offering them advice. And but who, you're and, uh, right. Whose ear are managers. they in? But, you know, we've also seen all of us, some of the characters around these people without naming names. So we're, we're looking at them thinking, you know, <laughs> we've all seen them in the background thinking, all oh, right, OK, yeah, yeah, that'll be interesting. So it's... It, it, a it, couple have surprised
3: me, Andy. Oh,
2: God. A, a couple a of couple. interesting times. <laughs> of <surprise> people. But, <laughs> <laughs> and you're thinking to yourself, well, like you know, who's going to run this club? And that's the issue. I mean, that is the issue. So the issue is we have a, we, we we have a, you know, a new board comprised of 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 how many people who have experience, long, um, invested experience in running a top class elite football club. And the answer is, no one there. Thing is, sure. we've now got this impasse where you know. I mean, I mean, Donny says, Well, you know, d- did you see Donny Steve Bruce to the end of the season? I mean, imagine how that's going to go down with the fans. No, we're, turn- we're all turning up to the big party on hmm. Sunday, all of us, we're all going to this big party, and then walk Steve Bruce. You imagine that's like, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just
0: the weddings, apparently. Sorry. He's good at weddings, Steve Bruce. He's popular. I, at weddings.
2: He is. I, I think he has. He, he, he looks like the uncle at weddings, doesn't he? Who's going to dance, doesn't he? That's us wow. I mean, I mean, is that is his image? But,
0: yeah, uh, it was he suggested. But I mean, I think they've got to make a big change. And it's like you say, to take you back. They, like, who, who? are
1: they going to get? Well, you apply the new manager next week. Who the heck?
0: Who the heck are you going to exactly. get? Well, that, and, that's, and, and, and Andy's right. Who is appointing him? That's you know. That is an him? even bigger point and that's why it's doomed to failure I think and why they'll get their comeuppance because they've not thought this through I mean even back in Blackburn when they bought the league they got Kenny Dalglish in because they knew they needed a figure a figurehead at the Absolutely. top of it there's so only one person easy. for it's this job a serious project they need to say from the start this is a serious project hmm. Matt, um, there's
1: only one person for this job we know who it is don't we it's big Sam in it
0: Oh, well, I'm <laughs> like, you know, like, like you mean, yeah. Like, well, uh, Tony
1: Tony The thing is, crossing there's, there's a correlation between who the manager is and who what which players you can sign. The two go hand in hand. Out the players aren't mm. going to sign for Newcastle. Big big players aren't going to sign for Newcastle, and we've got a big big manager running the team. Mm. So you got to go back to when when the Abu Dhabi mob came in at City. They made a real statement signing. They signed Rubinho from Real Madrid. And it was like a problem, mm. a, a real sort of watch shed moment in their history because it was like a real. He was at the time he was a he was but, one of the but, biggest players in the world, thirty odd million quid. So you know it was a statement of intent, and they've gone on to back that up, and we all know that the rest is history. So the first signing they make in January is going to be like Let's say they
0: try and make a marquee signing to Newcastle. This is the problem. This was explained to me by someone who used to manage the club um, a, a little while ago. Uh, and managed in the Northeast, a couple of the clubs in the Northeast, in fact. How is backs- Big Sam? Sam? There wasn't him, actually. <laughs> um, but uh, how, um, you've got to sign Erling Haaland and say, come and play for Newcastle. You know, we've got all this money. We can sign anyone we want. Come on, only fly over from Oslo. Oh, uh, no, there's no direct flights from Norway because you're in Newcastle, you're not in London, you're not in Manchester. You say, okay, Robert Lewandowski, get yourself over from Munich. No direct flights from Munich to Newcastle. No direct flights from Warsaw to Newcastle. And you say, come over, wife... And she can. You've got Bond Street for the wife to go shopping against the Metro Centre. <laughs> <laughs> it, it costs. well, I was told. I know, I'm the, not sure about this. Well, I'm not, not, sure not sure about not this. It it is it. Is it is this north it's north it. of the Watford yeah, Gap. On saying, Hang on, sorry. I mean, the wife thing was uh, was yeah was. Uh, the wife. This is But it's painting a picture of a family lifestyle. Families don't want Premier League. Players' families don't want to be living in Newcastle. Want to be- oh, oh, I'm, sorry. No, I'm yeah. sorry, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. The shift
3: of power was the Premier League is ruled by the North. When Kevin Keegan was manager of Newcastle, did he have a problem attracting some of Europe's oh, biggest sure. stars And and and, you know international superstars. Manager,
0: no, he didn't. The, the Premier League is ruled by the North. I'm sorry. This Kevin, is nonsense. The Kevin Keegan thing is an example of what I'm going to come on to say. This manager said, <laughs> when, a, when a top player was earning
3: about... You don't suddenly force them to to go, go out on Newcastle on a Friday night without, you know... Tom,
0: <laughs> no, I'm telling you what someone who knew what they were talking about told me. When a, when a top player was earning 64000 <laughs> a week, I was told... That it costs an extra 10,000 to 20,000 to persuade a player to move away from London or Manchester clubs because that's what you had to pay them to keep them happy and to make their families happy. That was so uh, that was about a a 20% premium that you pay they can afford to pay that but what they also need is and it comes back to this point is a kevin keegan figure or somebody who they could people can buy into to think that they're buying into a serious club because ultimately this is only going to work if you not only put together a lot of decent footballers but you keep them happy and you keep them on focus and you keep them on target and you do that by uh, making their family lives happy and by giving them a vision and a, and a direction that seems to be lacking as we've said at the very top of the uh, of the, this consortium, uh, which doesn't seem to have any sort of strategic direction, they may have something up their sleeves that can pull it off, but but it's an uphill battle. And and I, I tell you, it is Newcastle is a very difficult place to build that that place that they'll all want to come to. Not least of which because there's no direct flights there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 last time I checked I reckon yeah, they yeah, could I reckon they could afford a private jet but there you go can someone explain I mean to, honestly
2: hey honestly hey, if, you, if, you, if you if you come up on if you come up yeah. on Sunday we'll show you that there are some theatres restaurants, bars they have reached what Newcastle really? do they have electricity?
3: Yeah. can I just check because I might have to hey, well, I think so cool. yeah. Oh, God, no, yeah no yeah, wonder they look not. outside no no there's roads and stuff
0: or or crossing is the the nearest Harvey Nicks is over 100 miles away in Leeds, and that's, <laughs> thanks to LNER, that could be a six- or seven-hour train ride away. We've got a
1: nightclub on a boat on the river with a revolving dance floor. That'll sell it to me.
3: Blimey, this is, oh, this is, yeah, this is the vanguard of technology.
1: Our old friend Alan
3: Chamberlain has been on, and he said, let's not be naive, money talks. I'm sure if Conte was offered the sort of salary these owners could offer and promised virtually unlimited funds to buy players, um, I'm sure he'd jump at it as he's currently out of work. Alan, I'm not sure he would, pal. Um, I've got to be honest. Can can they go out and get sort of a a name like Conte? When you consider that Conte has been as infamously turned down jobs before because the circumstances, conditions are not right for him being successful, Real Madrid being one of them. Um, then I don't know that that necessarily is the case. You know, so uh, Andy, you know, who do they end up with realistically? Do they end up with Frank Lampard? Or, you know, I mean, it's just feels utterly weird. Or do they, you know, stick with Steve Bruce? I mean, you you know, if Steve Bruce is in charge on Sunday, how awkward will that be? I think It'll be very awkward.
2: I, I, I mean, extre- extremely awkward. Um, I, I, I do think that, you and that's know, no reflection on Brucey, by the way, is it? No, not at all. Not, 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 not at all. And, um, you know, I, uh, no, I was really, I, again, you, you know, people will always, you, you know, that caveat of if we actually don't have to live it day in, day out, so we don't know and we don't mm-hmm. watch their football day in, day out. But, you know, I, the, the quotes from Steve Bruce last week, um, about him, you know, glad his mum and dad aren't around to to read some of the abuse on social media, you thought, well, listen, mate, you know, no matter how maybe indifferent you've done the, the performance of being, um, no matter what your style of football, mm. no matter the fact that you, listen, let's, let's face it, you're going to get quite handsomely compensated for losing yeah. your job. No one deserves that sort of abuse. No. So I do feel sorry for him. And I do feel that if... The problem would be if, if he is in charge on Sunday, there will be all a, the the euphoria of the takeover. And then, you know, let's not forget, it's still the same team that hasn't won in seven Premier League games. Mm-hmm. So then if they start, if, if they're getting beaten and they're not playing well, then the focus of who's to play will be sort of even 10 times it normally is, and that's normally strong on Steve Bruce. So I don't think he should be put through that if they're going to get rid of him. You know, let Graham Jones take care of that game on Sunday. And then trying and find your manager in answer to who's that manager going to be? You know what? I I I really really would know. I, again, I don't. I think you're right. I don't think Conte would necessarily take the job certainly up by Matt's criteria because he strikes me as a bit of a cosmopolitan type guy. Cos, um, Conte and, and if he's got no. Direct flights. I'm sure. He I'm not sure go. you can
3: buy a suit up there, pal. To be honest, so you know, you, yeah, these yeah. wardrobes <laughs> straight out. You well, know, the
2: they don't wear any tops, do they? You don't
1: need a suit. Yeah. You just go to yeah. the match, Who needs a whistle up there? Um done so. it. it's such a massive decision, isn't it? I think I think Bruce might be in charge for for a few weeks yet, yeah, while this right, well, and I, 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 and try and work out what the, what the what the best thing to do is. Yeah. yeah. But when the Wallop spurs 3-0 on Sunday, it makes it even more amusing, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, so... <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's going to happen, Jeremy, do you? I don't think that's going to happen, yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> <These days. laughs> We, we should move on. And it's the return of the Tinkerman that I, I kind of want to touch on next because it is the return of the Premier League and it is the first game of the weekend is, is, a, is a Saturday uh, lunchtime kickoff between Watford and Liverpool. And um, Matt will be very pleased to know that it's in the south of England. Um, yeah. So, you know, if there's suddenly sort of dark clouds come over, they will have enough electricity to put the floodlights on. Um, and look, Claudio Ranieri I mean it is one of the great stories isn't it sort of thing I mean you know I, I, no one could quite believe it. I mean, you should, we shouldn't be surprised in the way that Watford act, should we? But basically, getting even by their standards, sacking Cisco after basically got them up, and then basically bringing Ranieri <laughs> in was quite surprising, wasn't it?
0: Well, yeah, they make their own rules up there, don't they? Do we, they do? we, we chastise and we say, "Oh, it's not right," but they don't seem to do too badly by it. Um, and uh, yeah, there's yeah, they obviously don't. Yeah, I imagine it's not a brass plaque on the manager's door, just a wooden one because they change it that often. But uh, but yeah, it, it's remarkable. And to get a character like that, he'll breathe breathe some life into the club. It'll, you know, bring a sense of yeah, his football knowledge obviously, which can often be underestimated with his kind of superficial sort of light heartedness of, of a character. He obviously knows the game. He, he, his achievement at Leicester was remarkable. Um, but, and yeah, he it, perhaps is what they want, and he's not going to be there forever. But there again, what what for manager ever is, um, you know, it, it's an interesting new venture for the club, uh, and, and good luck for him. And I think a lot of people will, will be wishing them well just be, because he's there. Mm. Yeah, it's a good Do point.
2: Think, actually, God, sorry, go sorry. On. no, go I'm just gonna say it, it's a good point about um, um, he won't be there long. you know, he's an ideal fit in a way because. He knows he's not going to be there long. We know he's mm. not the fans. No, he's not the players. No, he's not. Just get on and have fun. And you suspect they will and and enjoy it. And, and and again, just very quickly on Watford. Yeah, you know, when when we say they make up their own rules, they do. But what you would say is that all these managers, you know, I remember going to Watford, what, when was it when the, when the Pottsville family took over? I don't know. But anyway, listen, I, I remember going there about just over a decade ago. And the place just looked at best to be a championship club. I think three sides of the ground were we're in operation, one side wasn't. It was it, it was in, it was yeah, it, it looked like a club that was going to rack and ruin, basically, when I last went there. Yeah. W- sorry, not when I last went there, when I went there before this current ownership took over. Now they took over, and how I mean, goodness, I wouldn't even like to to, to figure how many managers they've had since then. But what I do know is that. You know, they got up out of the championship into the Premier League. They've been, what, relegated once. So, so they've been in the Premier League, I know, six out of the last seven years. Every time I see them, they play quite nice stuff. You know, to be fair, I don't think he's, he's inheriting a particularly bad side. They play nice stuff. And I go to, to to Watford and I love it. I think it's great. I think it's a great ground, great atmosphere, good pitch, decent team. I mean, I'd say you just have to check who the actual current manager is on that particular afternoon. But apart from that, it's a small price to pay, isn't it?
3: Yeah, yeah, I do get that. You know what, Jeremy? It's really weird, right? But I follow a disproportionate number of Watford fans on on Twitter, basically. Oh, right. And um, I don't know why I do. It's not particularly deliberate, but there's a well, quite. Sure I reckon. Either. I reckon Watford are top of the Premier League. In terms of you know people in the media, quickly followed by, by uh, sorry West Ham at the top of the, the, the Premier League in terms of people, uh, West Ham supporting fans in the media, quickly All followed right. by Watford. I genuinely do right, Not
1: sure about that. But I, yeah,
3: it's really weird. i it's you know disproportionate number. Honestly, it's a bit strange. Maybe you're missing right? a couple of clubs, or maybe court. maybe it's maybe it's um, maybe it's a sort of a proportion of fans. Maybe perhaps in terms of the size of the club. Anyway. They they basically, I always laugh about this to myself, in that I always think that Watford fans live in their own little bubble in which they are completely satisfied. They're like almost like a little cult since they've been under the Pozzos. They are very happy. They live very happily in the way that the club is run, which to a lot of football people, in, in quotes, basically, is distasteful. But actually, it works for the football club. Yeah and they, they basically I mean you know last 10 years they've been a Premier League regular yes we know they went down yeah. a couple of seasons ago but they came straight back up you know they basically make no apologies for sort of hiring and firing managers it's a revolving door policy it might not you know suit everyone I, I have a bit of fun about it I think it's yeah. you know but it's you know it's now an improved ground it's, it's, it's well set up They've got some decent players in this season. I didn't think they would go down under Cisco. Now they're trying to make sure that they definitely won't under Ranieri. It's it's you know they, they they are completely obsessed by having a rivalry with Arsenal that doesn't seem to exist in the opposite direction. And it's 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 really you know it's it's a strange world that they live in. Really, well, if you I don't, it up, I, this it. sounds remarkably patronizing, but I don't mean it to yeah. be because actually I think it's it's a, it's fundamentally. They've become a staple diet of the Premier League. And when you are a club the size of Watford, I actually think they can turn around and say, well, you know, told yeah, you so, basically. We, own, basically. Yeah, we put a few others yeah. to shame.
1: When you look at the geography of it as well, Watford are essentially a London based club, although they're, like you say, they're in their own little bubble there on the edge of London. And they just let basically the big guns in London get on with it. Mm. You know, Chelsea's, Tottenham's, Arsenal's—they—they they, they know they're not in their league and never will be. They have a sense of realism. That's what I like about Watford. The fans are the grounded. They know where they know their place in, the, in English football, and they're happy to happy with what they've got. Um, it's not right. a lack of ambition; it's realism. And like you said, look, they they go through managers like not oh, dinners, don't they? But well, so does Abramovich at Chelsea, and it works for them. So mm-hmm. you know, it, it's not—it's probably not the. Best way to to treat people, but it's, it's a business, and they want to stay up, and they've got a great great manager. In, in fact, how long will it will last, who knows? But like Dunny said, it's 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 going to be fun seeing him back in the Premier League. You know, he's a great bloke, Ranieri provided us all with arguably the most amazing title winning issue, and Leicester won the title in twenty sixteen. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they are. They are. There's a lot to like about Watford. I totally concur. The great thing, just just quickly, you know,
2: on the. Um, the, the the brilliant thing is on the bookmaker's odds, right, for the next manager to be sacked, Raleigh Harry's already third favourite, and he hasn't started. <laughs> he got the day was he got good. the job. Love he was, it, Hey, and by the way, Bruce's favourite, so come off favourites ahead of him. So the day he got the job, he was already third favourite to get the sack, which just shows Wofford. Just quickly, though, you right, know, as, as long as they, uh, as long as Wofford, for example, you, you know, as long as they do invest a bit and as long as they do sort of, you know, have a little bit of ambition in the Premier League, which I think they do, you know, there's a lot of focus on a couple of other clubs over the last two mm. seasons who were thinking, for example, a lot of debates around Norwich this season. Have they got any ambition at all to stay in the Premier League? No. As long as Waffle keeps showing that and keep having to go with the Cubs, and the days they'll live for as well are the days like I was there when they ended Liverpool's long, long unbeaten run when they won 3 0. And you know it was just a belt and atmosphere. So so good on them, yes. But um, but yeah. It, 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 and, and listen, don't forget Jeremy as well. The managers know what know, know the score as soon as they sign on. Yeah, don't they?
1: of course. Yeah, yeah, so it is rules of engagement, really, isn't it? Yeah, you know, yes.
2: absolutely, yeah. Matt, let's move on to Leicester
3: Man United because both, both, both managers are in need of a win, really. Solskjaer, it felt like we went into the international break and, you know, Solskjaer was feeling the heat. He's, he's probably one Premier League manager, very grateful for the Premier League, um, for the international break, rather, wasn't he?
0: Yeah, we got uh, Cristiano Ronaldo out of the country for a little while anyway. that That's that's the key issue at the heart of Manchester United at the moment is how that pans out, how that's playing out. The power politics that's falling behind that. uh, And whether Solskjaer can convince people that he's actually leading Manchester United at the moment. And he's the one in charge. He's the one pulling the strings and he's the one who can take them back to that title. Um, Because it's not that (laughs) He needs to do something remarkable and it probably has to not involve just getting the ball past to Cristiano Ronaldo. (laughs) Um, uh, and, and I think he's put question marks over and with Fergie as well in the mix uh, and moving in mysterious ways, it has to be said, then I, I, I just wonder whether he's playing the part of a Manchester United manager at the moment and, and he feels more like a caretaker again, even, you know, after three years. Uh, that, yeah, I don't know if he's got the character to, to ride this particular storm, and and no player supposed to be bigger than the club, but right now it doesn't feel that way. No, 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 no. I just want to have a look at one of the other games,
3: sort of just beyond the uh, weekend. Arsenal Palace. I only cho- choose this because it's Patrick Vieira coming back to the Emirates. I mean, what sort of reception will will one of the all time great, you know, Premier League players get back at the Emirates guys? A good one, fantastic
1: one. He deserves a good one, doesn't he? One of Sorry, Dunny. One of just going to say one of one of Arsenal's all-time legendary players, and what a player he was in his peak. And you know, integral in that Wenger revolution, money, and making Arsenal the best team in the land. So you know, Arsenal fans know a good player in the C one. Well, they don't see many these days, but. Ooh, I now, don't that's stunning innovation actually because he, he when he was in his peak, the were a top, top player to watch.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the great media talkers, I have to say, as well.
1: Fantastic. He needs yeah. a win, though. I don't know. I think he's doing all right. Oh, really? Yeah. Do I don't think he's only won yeah. one game this season. Wow. Well, no, I think it's well, been. It's nearly Halloween. He's only won one game.
3: Harry Kane hasn't scored in the Premier League yet in it's mid-October. I mean, come on, yeah. it's a quirky season, and he'll still yeah. end up winning gold. Man has got won. sacked after winning two games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he absolutely. <laughs> is. Yeah. yeah so bad. no, I um, yeah. Well, I don't know. I think he would do. I think he'll do just fine. Actually, I like Ballard.
2: Yeah, I like the look of them. Yes. Yeah, I think he's.
3: I think he's doing fine. Tough, guys, and listen, well. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go. And finally, now and i hope you guys have read read the script here right because it's a it's a wonderful wonderful romantic story to finish on um because it says here in honor of newcastle your favorite rags to riches story i mean this is really fa- fairy fairy tale stuff this um matt come on let's start with you what's your favorite football rags to riches story
0: well um I- i'm going to make mine a personal one um uh, because I was privileged enough to go back and, uh, and see see literally the rags. Um, in uh, About 20 years ago now, it's, it says, um, I was invited back by Lucas Radaby uh, to see where he grew up um, as a young boy um, and went back to the house that his family owned at the time, um, which is still owned by his younger brother, where he used to sleep with uh, five of his siblings under the kitchen table um he i got to meet his mum uh the family there where in in, um in the township still just outside johannesburg uh their house is significantly different as you'd imagine um with his premier league wages in that it's got a corrugated iron roof whereas the rest are all wooden Uh, and he says that his family is so important to remain with their community, they've chosen to stay but there's no point spending lots of money there because uh, the, the harsh reality is it would just get stolen his brothers drive a very beaten up second hand Mercedes at the time because again there was nothing, anything more flashy would would be gone um, got to, to see his, uh, his bullet wound where he got shot as a 19 year old boy um, minding his own business but teetering on the edge of the gangland culture that could have taken him down a different road. Uh, And then to see him play, you know, come all these hundreds of miles. And we talk about English footballers going abroad for, uh, you know, broadening their expectations. Some of these guys, when they come to England, it does change their lives, which perhaps Mm. uh, explains why foreign players do so well in the Premier League, because, you know, it is a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Uh, And it was also part of the visit was a chance for him uh, to go back to the townships with the SOS Villages charity, and he was then helping young children that they're rescuing from the same sort of poverty that he enjoyed, you know, enjoyed, experienced, uh, and grew out of. Uh, and yeah, it just—it was just a reminder that sometimes we concentrate on the football, but but all these people, a lot of them do have stories behind them, and and uh, and they're human beings. Uh, and some of them, what football can do is a rags for riches for individuals. Um, it, it can be just. World changing. And uh, so, yeah, it wasn't a a fun fairy tale one, but it was a very personal one. And to get to see that firsthand, uh, you know, I I think it's an opportunity that everyone should, you know, perhaps take before they start criticizing some of these players for not caring and not trying. Yeah, no, point well made.
3: Point well made. Football force for good. Jeremy?
0: Just going back to Dwayne's part as well,
1: Lucas Rodibbe, one of the nicest blokes you could ever wish to meet in football or in any walk of life really so a guy you, you wouldn't have begrudge any success whatsoever which leads me on to my guy who i'm gonna say is angolo kante another thoroughly decent individual whose remarkable story basically was that mm. you know um born to immigrant parents in france very very humble background um sadly his dad died when he was really young so he was brought up with um, three siblings and a, and a single mom, no money to speak of. Um, decided he would go to the World Cup uh, in Paris uh, in '98, collecting rubbish outside the stadium that fans left behind to, to sell to try and raise money for his family to keep them fed and watered, and uh, managed to get into an academy. And the rest is history. Now won the World Cup himself. Mm. obviously in Russia in 2018 won the Champions League with Chelsea he's widely regarded as one of the best players of his generation probably earning a fortune well he is earning a fortune and you know went from the literally went from the streets with nothing picking up people's crap basically uh, to try and keep his uh, family's head above water and now he's um, getting all the success he deserves great sport
3: yeah absolutely well said
1: Andy You've got a- it's it's in your eye there
2: don't and I'll tell you what, shame on those two! Funny. <laughs> 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 I got like a small handkerchief today. Oh my! To a
1: glass eye. Now
2: he's going to come up with something funny yeah. or silly and be no, completely, like, yeah, completely out of funny. place. <laughs> you, you, talk, you talk about rags to riches, and, 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 and quite rightly, the guys have gone on individuals. Because I mean, Newcastle started, like you know, go from one billionaire to zillionaires or, or whatever. But, 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 but you're right about what it does for individuals and. Only go back on personal experience. Remember when, like when, when, when young players used to move from a small club to a big club and suddenly found money? It doesn't happen anymore because kids are brought through the academy. So people like Phil Foden and, and people who brought through the academy, they're already on at the age of 16, they're already on 20 grand a week. So mm. it's that jump, it's that brilliant jump. As I've said before, you know, when I was covering the lower leagues and crew in particular, we used to see 18-year-olds, 19-year-olds go from 50 quid a week to a big club, and suddenly they're on a couple of grand a week, and it's just like life-changing. Rob Jones was one of those guys. Literally, he was playing on a Wednesday night um, in a, I don't know, what, what whatever the equivalent of, of this week's Papa John's John's donny has going on the vodka, it's not that bad, Dunny. <laughs> <laughs> Andorra's finest. Yeah, I was going to say, I recognize oh, that bottle In my latest Riches to Rag story, it's Dunny drinking
3: <laughs> <a little laughs> out
1: of a
2: bottle
0: at 11 o'clock. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he's wet. so hard up, he's had to bring home a bottle of water from Andorra. Finer's, finest mineral <laughs> water from Andorra. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so 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 literally on a Wednesday
2: night, so as a little example, Rob Jones, a brilliant lad. So on a Wednesday night though, he's playing for, for Crewe in whatever the equivalent of the Papa John's trophy was or something. Graham Students comes along to buy another player, you know, and, and on a whim, decides on it's gonna be Rob, calls him up, signs the next day on a Friday, walks into the, walks into the doesn't even meet the players, says you're playing Sunday at Old Trafford against gigs and everyone, like you know, walks into the dressing room. And there's, you know, Sooners in charge, there's John Barnes, there's whatever. But then, of course, you have to all practicalities. You have literally gone from your rags, your 50 quid a week to your two grand a week. And then there's, you know, and all of a sudden, what do you do? You know, all of a sudden you've got these riches. And now, whether it was him or not, or someone said to me, it might've been actually Jason McAteer when he went from Bolton to Liverpool, a similar situation where you go from his rags to riches. So the lads say to him, Right, obviously, you've got to get a nice car. All right, okay. Well, I'll do I get that. Well, you've got, listen, you you need to go and get a credit card. What's a credit card? I mean, literally, what's a credit card? So, famously, it was one of these two go into the bank, take it in by someone like Barnsley or someone like that, takes it in and says, Right, you're filling this form, you, you get a credit card, gold credit card, you are a Liverpool player. All right, okay. So, fill in the form, genuinely filling in the form, genuinely, right? You know, Right, okay, funny in here, Mr Jones, okay, whatever, name, Robert or whoever it may be, it, it, it'd be on to me if it wasn't him, so i better not say it was him, but it was certainly either him or someone else. Okay, um, whatever, blah, 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 name, age, whatever, employer, Liverpool Football Club, position held in company, right back. <laughs> <laughs> Like, have we never had one before? I've not I've not I, I, honestly <laughs> there was a suggestion that they were writing the names and the tags of the shirts until someone pointed out they do have them on the on the back and stuff like that. And that was what you, you don't get that anymore. You don't get actually the idea of someone on one day playing, you know, because even lower down the leagues, they're better paid now. But in those days, yeah. we literally I literally had countless examples of players who, who 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 were one day earning £100 a week and then the next minute were earning £3,000 a week and literally didn't know what to do with it. Robbie Savage, I remember, bought a pink Porsche, a pink second-hand Porsche, and went driving it through the streets of Chester in a white suit. And as you will not be surprised to know, and Sav, I'm sure, will back this up, it, it 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 blew up and he was stood there covered in soot and smoke and whatever, a pink Porsche and a white suit. Again, they'd have a go with it, sorry, but I'm sure
3: that was the case. But the the great thing about Savage that at least you know he wasn't sort of you know out there ostentatious, you know, showing off about it. it. You know, yeah, absolutely, no, yeah. So, no, yeah, Stop, man. <laughs> remember that. I'm sure Jeremy was part of this conversation. It was kind of, you know, we were sort of sat there in the Man City press room, watch two or three years. yeah, yeah. To you know, basically, we were talk- I don't know how we got onto this subject, but someone was wearing a new watch or something, and it was literally, you know, not shut, no, not put your medals on the table. It was like put your put your watches on the table, and yeah. so went around this little. Table of us sat in there basically saying, so, you know, all go on. And now, you know, what's your watch? How much is your watch worth? <laughs> just, yeah, he just does it, it well just for well the sheer hell of it so he can say yeah 150 grand <laughs> it's ridiculous <laughs> it's or whatever it was uh, for insurance purposes um, anyway guys thanks so much it's been uh, really nice to see you and um, yeah very very entertaining um, make sure you don't mention North Matt this weekend and, uh, and everyone oh, will be it- fine
2: <laughs> Bring your coat, Matt, okay? Jacket, scarf, hat.
3: <laughs> anyway, guys, thanks so much for joining and it um, uh, been really good fun. And uh, everyone, have a nice, uh, thanks for tuning in. Have a good weekend and we'll see you same time, same place next week.